frozen to see it dark Says there's something wrong with me I got a sadness I can't shake now Is there something I can't take now? It's the hilarious world of depression, placebo edition. Placebos are smaller versions of our regular show. I'm John Moe. Our regular full episodes are coming up soon, by the way. Season two is on the horizon. We've been flying all over, doing interviews. It's going to be great. Look to early fall for that. So, anyway, depression. Webster's defines depression as... No, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to go down that road. But to be honest, though, depression is hard to define. It has no physical form, no color, no shape. And it shows up in different ways to different people. So it's hard for people who've never had it to know what it's like. And that makes people who do have it feel more alone, more isolated, and worse. I recently went on Twitter to ask our listeners for something that gets depression right. Uh, You know, a movie, TV show, poem, book, moment in culture that seems to nail it. We left out music this time since we've already done a few shows like that. Check those out, by the way. They're in our archives. So the idea here is instead of having to find the words to define depression yourself, you can just go, okay, watch this or read this. Check this out. Here's what some of you had to say. Hi, my name is Brandon Voigt, and I'm from Detroit, Michigan. Uh, If there's one movie that really speaks to me and I feel captures that essence of the the emotions that you go through during depression, it's high fidelity. You know, there's just something that I can relate to watching John Cusack, avoiding going out with his friends to reorganize his records. Hey, Dick, come on in. What is it? Oh, um, well, we're going to Lounge Axe, and... um... I was just wondering if you wanted to come along with us. Whoa. Um, Marie DeSalle's playing. You remember I told you about her today? I like her. She's kind of Cheryl Crowish, crossed with a um, post-Partridge family, pre-L.A. Law, Susan Day kind of thing. But, you know, um, black. Yeah. So um, I just want to know if you wanted to come along. Barry thought so too really but i guess it looks as if you're reorganizing your records yeah um what is this uh, chronological no not alphabetical nope what autobiographical no fucking way yep to him screaming out the window at his now ex-girlfriend if you really wanted to mess me up you should have got to me earlier to just even like reflecting on things that have happened to you in your past and trying to figure out exactly where the problem is, what the common denominator in all of this is. Um, all that anger and jealousy and just sulking and wanting answers to everything from you know one end of the spectrum to the other, they just capture it perfectly with this movie. Which is now why this movie is a staple for me to watch every time I go through a breakup. Because I'm like, somebody out there gets it. Hi, my name is Deborah Touche, and I live in Oregon. Um, Despite its many, many, many problems, one thing the Twilight series gets right is depicting depression. Particularly in the beginning of New Moon, after Edward dumps Bella, she falls into a depression, and it's depicted in the book by several blank pages. There's the month, and then the next page is blank. Month, blank, month, blank. And I remember being struck by how 
accurate that was. You know, like, I was still able, like, when I'm depressed, I still go to work, I still get out of bed every day, but every the, everything is just blank. Um, you know, hours of TV watching and it's blank. And I was really struck by how well the blank pages actually captured that. And also the way Bella's friends reacted, you know, a lot of times people don't know how to react when you're depressed. And so if you're not reaching out to them, they just stop talking to you. And um, her friends, you know, tried, but then they just gave up because they were getting nothing from her. And that has been my experience as well. My name is Doug Renault. I live near Portland, Oregon, and I think Edvard Munch got depression right. I went to the San Francisco Museum of Modern Art recently and saw one of his pieces called Sick Mood at Sunset, Despair. After learning earlier in this exhibit about how many of his family members died of disease throughout his life, most importantly in his younger years, I felt a profound sense of loss, confusion, and loneliness in viewing this piece. The way the subject's friends walk on without him, the way his face is left nearly blank, the jagged swirling of red sky all speak to a feeling of alienation and intense depression. I was brought to tears instantly, remembering what my life was like before therapy and Prozac. The pain of loneliness, being trapped in my own thoughts, wanting to scream, but feeling unable to. I think he got it right. Hi, my name's Karen Woodward-Massey, and I'm in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Uh, for me, the poem Resume by Dorothy Parker is the thing that gets depression right. It goes like this. Razors pain you, rivers are damp, acids stain you, and drugs cause cramp. Guns aren't lawful, nooses give. Gas smells awful. You might as well live. <laughs> it's funny. Because it's true, you know, you don't have enough energy to do anything. And, and even when you have the energy to think about killing yourself, it, you're thinking negative thoughts about how to do it. And it's just funny. And it's positive, ultimately, even though every line is negative. Or is the last one positive? Maybe. I don't know. My name is Tony Voda, and I am from Minneapolis, Minnesota. And the short clip that I found to be an accurate portrayal of depression, at least in my mind, comes from the genius of Mitchell Hurwitz and Michael Sarah from Arrested Development. Uh, the clip is uh, shortly after George Michael goes through a breakup and is walking home from school, and as he walks with his head down he finally gets into the house and upon entering the house he just kind of kind of slowly gives up and collapses onto the ground and i don't think that the writers were trying to depict the darker side of depression that can be triggered by something like a breakup but this comedy series has a way of kind of grabbing those human emotions and uh, just really finding a way to to gel with the human condition.
Hi, I'm Fletcher Powell from Wichita, Kansas, and for me, the Robert Redford movie All is Lost absolutely nails it as a metaphor for depression. We've got a guy out in the middle of the ocean all alone, and there doesn't seem to be any good reason for him to be there, and there's no hope for rescue from anyone else, and he has to figure out how to keep going. And that's what he does. He just keeps going, even though it feels like he ought to give up any number of times. The movie starts out with a shipping container punching a hole in the side of his boat, and he just has to do what he has to do to patch the hole. He just has to do the next thing to get through it. And that's how depression's been for me, over and over just doing the next thing to get through it. The storms come and wreck his boat, and he just does the next thing, even though he's still all alone and it feels like there's nothing left to hope for. I guess I don't know if they meant for this movie to be a metaphor for depression, but for me it really understands those feelings of being isolated in a place that doesn't make sense and having to figure out a way to get through each moment. My name is Douglas Fisick. I'm from North Dakota. I live in New York City, and I teach philosophy at the University of New Haven. An important scene for me, one that I really love, one that I return to often, is from the show Deadwood. In it, the charismatic owner of the Gem Saloon, his name is Al Swearingen, explains to a friend that pain or damage is inevitable in life. Why ain't you up and running again? I'm in despair. The physical damage is repairable, but the psychic wound may be permanent. You ever been beaten, Merrick? Once, when I thought I had the smallpox, Doc Cochran slapped me in the face. Stop it, Al. Are you dead? Well, I'm in pain, but no, I'm obviously not dead. And obviously you didn't fucking die when the doc slapped you. No. So including last night, that's three fucking damage incidents that didn't kill you. Pain or damage don't end the world. Or despair or fucking beatings. He then says... You got more punishment in store. Stand it like a man. Give some back. That we can and should resist the things that are damaging us. These can be external, like the Pinkerton gang in the show, but they can also be internal, like with clinical depression. Al Swearingen, as a character, is not sugarcoating the human condition. In fact, his assessment is not unlike some of the most dreary existential descriptions of human life. But he does affirm human agency, our ability to fight back, to resist individually, collectively, and that has inspired me in dark times, and I know for a fact that it has inspired others. The Hilarious World of Depression is a production of American Public Media. Chrissy Pease is our producer. Our executive producer is Kate Moose. Special thanks to Nate Toby. Corey Schreppel was our technical director this time around. Our theme song is called Pagliacci, written and recorded by our friend Rhett Miller of the band The Old 97s. Be sure to check Rhett out either solo or with his band when they come through your town. If you need assistance, if you need immediate help, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is at 1-800-273-8255. It is confidential, it's free, it's open 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Again, that number, 1-800-273-8255. 8255 spells talk. 
Resources about depression and other mental illnesses are available at makeitok.org. You can also find tips there on how to have those conversations about mental illness that can get a little awkward. We're on Twitter at THWOFD. That's THWOFD because, as we've said, at THWAD was already taken. You can email us, THWAD, T-H-W-O-D, at AmericanPublicMedia.org. I'm John Moe. Bye now.